Before we begin today's show, I have to make a bit of a change. Last week I promised that I'd talk about the first Batman movie I ever saw, but it turns out the recording went on for a bit longer than I thought, so we're gonna have to cut it for this week. Instead, we have a few new topics to talk about. And on that note, hi, I'm Joel Garcia. Welcome to the Pop Culture Shuffle. On today's show, we have a few things to talk about. First up, my review of this week's episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Then, I play another snippet from my radio show relating to a recent announcement by CBS. And finally, the Fox Network just cancelled another show I liked. But first, let's get to my review of Marvel Studios' The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. There will be spoilers. Well, after last week's episode was admittedly a little weak, especially by how, while it did introduce John Walker as the new Captain America, it was just a little slow. And I have to admit, it was relatively difficult to talk about the episode, since while a lot of stuff happened, it just felt like setup. This week's episode... Thankfully, it's not set up. If anything, it just helps advance the story and nearly everyone gets a moment to shine. I especially liked how they finally brought in Sharon, and I was just wondering, where's Sharon? Because, of course, again, the last time we saw her was in Civil War. And in the episode, she kind of explains why she wasn't anywhere near the Avengers after Endgame. Because, of course, she has no connections to the Avengers, unlike Sam, so of course she would just still be on the run after all these years, considering she's been on the run for the better half of five or six years. And I really appreciated that, since of course it wasn't like after Thanos, just everyone was magically parted. Sharon is just one of the many examples of people who suffered because of the blip. In Sharon's case, of course, she's still on the run. For everyone else, such as the flag bearers, well, they feel lost. And the episode expanded on that as well, because with the flag bearers, we understand now why they're suffering. Because, of course, in those five years, they're just stuck. They can't do what they want because now they're stuck in a place where they feel lost. And something I will say about the episode was how Zemo was really funny. If anything, he had a bit more personality in this episode than he ever did in Civil War. It probably helped he wore the mask, even if he did take it off immediately. But then again, in this episode, nobody wore their costumes aside from John. And it's really fun seeing all these characters interact with each other, especially the moments with Sharon, Zemo, Bucky, and Sam. Since, of course, they're supposed to be the main characters of this show, and just seeing them all together was enjoyable. As for Sharon, we saw that she has a bit of a double-cross situation, since, of course, she's looking at Sam and Bucky and hoping they can get her apart and she can go back home. But at the same time, it's also doing something suspicious. Now, with John's subplot, he's just trying to find out what's going on, and you can clearly tell in this episode how he's not Steve. He essentially chokeholds someone, saying, Do you know who I am? Which is something that Steve would never do. Sure, he'd beat the crap out of him, but he wouldn't do that. What I really liked about the episode was the explanation they gave for the Super Soldier Serum. Now, as we saw with Captain America, it gave him superhuman strength and, well, muscles. 
But now the super soldiers we're seeing in the show aren't exactly big muscular people. And the explanation given by the guy before he got killed was of how he perfected the serum. Which is funny because in the comics whenever someone gets some kind of serum they turn all muscular and crazy. But here they're just normal. They look normal. And while some might say, oh, that's a way to make it cheap and not make them look muscular, it kind of makes sense. Because, of course, what's a perfect soldier if it's someone who looks normal? I mean, what's more intimidating? Someone who's a super soldier but looks perfectly normal, or someone who's a super soldier and has muscles and buff, almost like a bodybuilder? Sure, the bodybuilder looks intimidating, but someone who doesn't have muscles and has the same strength is similarly just as intimidating. So I will admit, that was what I really liked about the episode, that explanation. It gives a really good explanation for why the serum works differently on these people. Because with Isaiah and with Steve, it gave the muscles, superhuman strength and all that. But with everyone else, the same strength, but they don't have the muscles. Now something to note about this show, considering we are now at the halfway point of this six-part miniseries, is how clearly this isn't like your average Marvel superhero production. You don't see a lot of superheroics. Sure, there might be some moments for some action, but you don't exactly see them put on their costumes all the time. Like in this episode where, except for John, everyone's wearing street clothes. Except for that moment where Bucky is wearing a variation of the Winter Soldier to blend in. And as for that ending where we see someone from Wakanda, that was a nice cliffhanger. All in all, it was a good episode, a marked improvement from last week's episode where... Admittedly, the highlight was the Good Morning America product placement. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier streams exclusively on Disney+. Now it's time to play another snippet from my radio show. In February of 2020, I discovered something that was a bit shocking to me at the time. One of the more recent stories that came up and one that I may have probably mentioned earlier on was that they're bringing back CSI. And you probably remember CSI. If you don't, yeah, it makes sense. If you don't remember CSI, it was one of, if not the most influential shows on primetime television that basically centered around a group of forensic investigators doing investigative crimes in Las Vegas, the original show at the very least. Where they looked at, they looked to find out the crime, find out what happened, who did it, who, what, where. And it was groundbreaking for, for a show because unlike, say, Law & Order, which focused on, say, the detectives or the, the lawyers, this focused on the people who were investigating the bodies or the corpses and all that stuff, which was different. Though admittedly, if you weren't a fan of that, you'd probably get bored really quick. And it inspired a lot of, of spinoffs, knockoffs, and ripoffs. And in fact, the CSI franchise itself has gotten multiple spinoffs, none of which were as successful as the original, mind you, but they were long-lasting. You had CSI New York, CSI Miami, and CSI Cyber, the latter of which was the very last thing uh, of the show, which was the last spinoff to air before the entire franchise ended, uh, coming in a season after the original CSI was canceled. And I will admit, I'm not a fan of CSI. In fact, the only episode I liked was the Quentin Tarantino episodes where it had Frank Gorshin in his final appearance and it was just basically a fun uh, mystery and just like the chaotic madness of a Quentin Tarantino film. In fact, it was so popular it even sold it separately from the rest of, of the series. 
And I think it's one of only like three Blu-ray releases from the franchise. But yeah, that's just what I'm saying about uh, CSI. Like, is it good it's coming back? Yeah, well, it's only been like five years since the show ended. It's not like Will and Grace, where at the very least they waited a decade. Because with some of these revivals, they at least waited. Like, Will and Grace, a decade. Charmed, a reboot, but still a decade or more. Most of these have waited like at least a decade to revive them. So having a CSI come back after only five years off the year it just feels way too recent. Could it work? Eh, probably not. Like, if anything, it could probably work to show, like, say, something for a while or maybe just briefly on on TV. But, like, I don't think it would be that long-lasting. Like, maybe for, like, a season, that'd be one thing. It comes around the same time as I hear about another revival I've heard of, one which I'm even less sure could work. It was recently reported, uh, according to TV Line, that Tim Allen is open to making a revival of Home Improvement. Which, again, would not work because when it comes to Home Improvement, like, no, I, I have nothing against Home Improvement. It's a good show. It, 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 long, it ran for eight years on ABC. But the problem is that Allen is still working on his other sitcom, Last Man Standing, which is also a really good show. And, like, it's just weird because, like, in a way, Last Man Standing is basically a bit is an older home improvement. If anything, it just basically focuses on him and, like, it's still the same character. So it would just be weird to, like, bring back the original home improvement when you already have Last Man Standing. It's one thing if, say, the other show ended, but, yeah. But that's just my thoughts on it. Recently, CBS announced a pickup for CSI Vegas, a sequel series to the original CSI, which itself was simply known as CSI. The series will feature returning characters from the show, as well as some new faces. It will premiere on CBS this fall. As for that Home Improvement reboot, well not much has come up about it, Tim Allen did reprise his character from that show on an episode of Last Man Standing in a crossover featuring the character interacting with his Last Man Standing counterpart. Before we wrap up this week's show, I wanted to bring up something I heard that was sad to hear. It's been reported by many sites, including TV Line and Variety, that Fox has canceled Bless the Hearts after two seasons. And that is disappointing to hear. Now, for those of you who haven't heard the episode, back in November, I made a podcast where I talked about being wrong about Bless the Hearts. In particular, how when it first aired, I just rejected it due to the bad animation and thinking, oh, it's trying to be King of the Hill. And it wasn't. To make a long story short, I stopped watching after the first episode, but during the summer where I was looking for new stuff to watch, I decided to give the show a second chance. And eventually, I grew to like it. If anything, it was a nice spiritual successor to King of the Hill. Now sure, it wasn't exactly like King of the Hill. If anything, the only thing they had in common was Megalomart. Since on Bless the Hearts, the characters occasionally go to Megalomart, a star prominently featured on King of the Hill. But aside from that, there is no other connection. I honestly thought at some point they would have made a crossover with King of the Hill, considering that the two shows are very similar to one another. 
They're grounded and not as ridiculous as, say, Family Guy or The Simpsons. If anything, Duncanville is a wackier show. Because over on that show, Alf showed up. And it's really sad because the show's second season was a marked improvement. The show's first season felt lost. Like it didn't know whether it wanted to be Family Guy or King of the Hill. Whether to be super wacky or super grounded. And it picked a nice neutral ground. Where yeah, it's wacky, but it's not super insane. The characters do crazy antics, but it's not like they're gonna start flying up in the air or go cutaway gag crazy. And sure, there are cutaways, but they're not insane. So it's really sad to see this show end after only two seasons. If anything, I thought this was one of the better anime shows released by Fox in the past few years. Since of course, they've struggled to have a good long-running show. Since 2011, only Bob's Burgers has been able to go on for more than one season or two. And it kind of makes me worry for The Great North and Duncanville. Now The Great North is coming back for a second season, but then again it was renewed during the pandemic as a just in case. I'll talk more about Duncanville at a later time, but all I will say, it gives me a little bit of worry. So it's really sad to see Bless the Hearts just end like that. There are a few episodes left, apparently it'll run until May, and I know that at least in the next few weeks they'll still be airing the episodes, but there were just a lot of things against this show. Now some might blame NASCAR for the show's cancellation, which is ironic considering that the show is literally set in the region where NASCAR is more prevalent. Now the reason I say people want to blame NASCAR is due to something that happened over with the sport. Where, instead of starting at 9 in the morning Pacific time, which would be noon Eastern, the races are now starting much later, so they can be seen at a reasonable time for everyone on the East and West Coast. And unfortunately, it's led to a side effect where the races run into prime time. And one of the best examples of this issue was the Daytona 500, which ran so long because of a rain delay, it essentially canceled Fox's Sunday lineup, forcing all of their shows and the Cherry's Vault game show to be pushed by a week, which angered a lot of viewers. And today, that has continued to affect the shows every week, except for this week because the race was pushed to Monday due to rain, where it surprisingly ended 30 minutes before Fox's Monday lineup. And the sad thing, it's not the first time this has happened. I can still recall how Futurama was screwed by Fox because they decided to put the show at 7.30 in the fall, hoping that the NFL ended just before that time to go to Futurama. And that never happened because the NFL games ran for so long, Futurama was the first thing often preempted. Now of course, blaming NASCAR might not be the biggest thing, considering that the show's been on for two seasons, and there were several points where NASCAR wasn't airing on the network where it could have succeeded. And there may be other factors, such as the actor's availability, considering you have a lot of star talent in this show. You have Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph, Ike Barinholtz. And it might be a case of where they're probably too busy to do an animated show, considering that this is a weekly animated series, and the three of them are relatively active in films and TV shows. So that's all I'll say at the moment about Bless the Hearts. I'm just going to finish watching the show. There are a few more episodes left. And once the show finishes airing, I'll probably talk about it again. The final episodes of Bless the Hearts aired Sundays on Fox. Due to NASCAR coverage on certain weekends, I recommend checking your local listings. Next week on the Pop Culture Shuffle, I'll talk about the first Batman movie I ever saw. Plus a review of the Falcon the Winter Soldier and 
a rock story. I'll leave it at that. That is all the time we have for today's show. If you would like to know when the next episode comes out, remember to follow or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite stream provider. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at MrJoelGarcia9. Until next time, thank you for listening, and go Padres! <laughs>